You're listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Sounds pretty fun. Pretty cool. Y'all doing all right? Yes. Man, good, good to see you guys. If I haven't got to meet you yet, I'm Brandon. I'm the college pastor here, young adult pastor. We love, love to meet you. Um, so we have, we have a good friend that always helps us on Tuesday nights and on Sunday mornings back there, Mr. Angel. Y'all say, what's up, Angel? Can we just tell him thank you for what he does? Now listen, if you have not met Angel, you need to meet Angel because this dude, he's just, he's, first of all, he's like good at everything. He really is. Like, I think you could probably play every instrument up here. Um, if you, you try to preach, bro, I'm going to stop you before you start because you're probably good too. Um, but Angel, Angel, man, he, he's, he's right. His life is a movie. And so uh, back during Christmas break, maybe just after Christmas or somewhere around that time, uh, Angel, he, again, he's in instruments. And so he had gone to a pawn shop and was looking at some guitars and things. And as he's looking at these guitars, uh, first of all, there, there's really not many people in the pawn shop. I think it was him. Um, and an elderly lady looking at some things, the lady at the cash register working, and there was a, a man in the store, another man in the store. So as Angel's looking at these guitars, he starts to kind of notice there's like something going on at the cash register. Like there's a, there's a quarrel, there's an argument going on. And so he kind of ignores it at first, I'm not trying to get in the middle of that. Well, the longer the time goes on, like the louder this conversation gets. And he realized that there, the, the one other man that's in the store is is being a jerk to the lady at the cash register. And he's, I, he was wanting to trade or whatever. Do, uh, actually, I need to go to a pawn shop. Angel, we're going to go to a pawn shop. never been to one. Anyways, so they're having this argument at the cash register over, I guess, uh, something. And so Angel realizes, like, this is kind of getting serious. The, the, the dude is getting kind of hostile, and the, and the lady is, is getting kind of scared as he realizes what's going on. So he, he kind of walks up, and as he gets to where the cash register is, he hears the lady say, look, sir, if you don't leave, I'm going to call the cops. And the, and the dude's just getting more mad and more mad and more mad. So Angel finally says, um, excuse me, sir, she's, she's asked you to leave. You, you, just, you just need to leave so there's not any problems. So immediately the man looks at Angel. And by the way, this is all true. I'm not, not making any of this up. You can ask Angel later. So the man looks at Angel and is like, oh, what do you, what do you think you're doing, boy? Like, let's go, man. What, what's your problem? You need to stay out of this. So then the angel <laughs> responds with, Look, sir, <laughs> you have two options. <laughs> he said, one, you can leave the store and everything will be just fine. You can leave. You can have a great Christmas with your family. That's your first option. <laughs> I love how logical he presents this. He, says, he said, your second option is I punch you in the face. She calls the cops and you don't get to spend Christmas with your family. What are, your, what are you going to choose? And so the man then says, let's go, man, let's do it. So the man is like squaring up. So Angel, I'm like, when he's telling me this, I'm like, you, you're really fixing to do this. So Angel said he took off his jacket and rears back like he's going to punch the dude. And the guy finally is like, man, forget this, whatever, like I'm leaving. And so, which I'm like, bro, when Angel was telling me this, I said, first question, were you really going to punch him? He was like, yeah, I was going to punch him. I was like. So I'm thinking, like, today's not the day to mess with Angel, right? And I said, dude, like, that's kind of crazy. And he goes, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling feisty today. <laughs> I, I was like, you are. You definitely are. <laughs> I tell that story for really, uh, if I'm honest, like, there's not really a point to that story except don't, don't square up with Angel, okay? He'll punch you. 
But no, the point is, everyone loves a good story, right? Like if you think about um, when you're in church and someone's preaching, or if you're in class, professor's teaching, or maybe even around the dinner table with your family, and someone starts telling a story, what does everybody do? Yeah, you, you kind of you lean in, right? Like, I love it. On Tuesday night, if I'm talking and maybe, like, you're kind of tracking, but some of you are not quite listening, as soon as I start a story, everybody's like, wait, what's he saying, right? Because everyone loves a good story. Now, Jesus, do what? Oh, sorry, I thought someone was telling me something. Sorry. <laughs> My bad, dude. <laughs> um, sorry, I need to focus. Anyways, so Jesus, I think he really knew this about humans, that People love a good story. <clears throat> Don't punch me, Angel, sorry. <laughs> he knew that humans love, people love a good story. I think that's why people love reading the Gospels, because they're full of great stories that Jesus told, right? When he, when he spoke, when he taught, when he preached, he told really good stories. So something I'm going to do tonight is something that you'll very rarely see me do. I think I've done it twice as a college pastor in three and a half years. Um, and that is something called, if you say it like the more like technical term, is a first-person narrative. To say it in more simple language is, I'm going to tell the story from Scripture tonight as though I was a person who was actually in the story 2,000 years ago. Does that make sense? So tonight I'm going to tell the story from Acts chapter 5. So by the way, you're welcome to turn there. Acts chapter 5. Verse starting in verse 12, and just so you know, I, it's not going to be like I'm reading verbatim. I'm going to tell the story, right? I mean, right? I mean, that makes sense, right? That I'm not going to just like read it. I'm going to tell the story. Um, and the idea is, again, that we sometimes learn Scripture best when we hear it in story form. And so you're welcome to, to kind of read along and follow and see like that I'm not just making all this up, that I'm actually telling the story. Or you can kind of sit back and, and see what it would be like to hear it if, that person, again, just to make sure we're all clear, it's, it's like, obviously time travel is not real, though Uncle Rico has tested it out some. Um, do you ever know who Uncle Rico is? Thank you, James. Okay. <laughs> James got my back. Um, and Kip. Anyways, it's though, as though someone came from 2,000 years ago, came today to tell you the story. Y'all with me? Y'all with me? All right. We're going to give this a go. And just so you know, I'll probably break character a couple of times because I just can't help it, but I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's already happening. <laughs> All right. Oh, my gosh. Look at all y'all. Why are you laughing? You guys are a good-looking group. I mean, wait, this many, are y'all college students? I don't even know what college is, but you're college students. This many college students on the other side of the world from Jerusalem, 2,000 years. Oh, wait, let me make, just check here. Y'all are, most of y'all are Jesus followers. Is that right? Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. If Peter and the guys could see this, they, they would be in awe. They, this is crazy. I mean, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm surprised that you're actually here, but, but I'm in awe. Oh, that like that you're here. This this is amazing. All right, I should tell you who I am. You're probably wondering who I am. I am John the Apostle. Now, not John the Baptist, because John the Baptist. Sorry, too soon, JB. My bad. Anyways, <laughs> he's he's in heaven. It's all good. He got his head back. <laughs> but I'm I'm John the Apostle, who 
Some of y'all may know me from, I wrote the Gospel of John. <laughs> Sorry. I wrote the Gospel of John. I wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, which if you haven't read those, I won't take it personally, but for real, you should read them, okay? Or you may know me from this painting some little dude named Leonardo da Vinci um, painted called The Last Supper. And just for the record, none of us actually look like what he painted, all right? But in that painting, I'm supposed to be the guy leaning on the shoulder of Jesus because me and Jesus were, I mean, I mean, we are tight, okay? Um, but that's who I am. Now, I want to tell you one of my favorite stories that my bro Luke wrote about in the book of Acts. Man, it was one of the most incredible things. So our, this story picks up at a time when God was doing so many amazing, phenomenal things. God is always at work. Would you guys agree with that? God's always at work. He's always doing amazing, thing, amazing things. But this was something special. Jesus had just risen from the dead, which was epic. I'm telling you, I, I lived it. I saw it. It was incredible. Rose from the dead, and he had commissioned us to go and share the gospel. He had given us the Holy Spirit, and crazy things were happening. I think these things still happen in your day. Man, it was happening like in a very concentrated, multiplying fast atmosphere at that time. It was amazing. People were being healed right and left. People were being saved. Like literally in a day, like 3,000 people will come to Christ. It was phenomenal. It was amazing. We couldn't get over how awesome it was. But <laughs> not everyone was exci as excited as we were, which that's probably how it is in your day. I would maybe assume that not everyone is always excited about what Jesus is doing. So there was this religious leader the high priest, I don't know if you've heard of him or studied in uh, the word about the high priest, but the high priest was really the, the religious leader authority of Israel. And just a little something, the high priest, the temple, they had already arrested myself and Peter for, for preaching, for preaching and talking about Jesus. So when he found out that we were preaching and teaching again, it was not good. <laughs> he was not happy. They actually... They had us arrested, me and, and the other apostles. And it's interesting. I don't know if it's like this with y'all today, but have you ever noticed how whatever group or people or even person is getting a lot of hype, everyone else gets kind of jealous? Is that kind of true for you guys? That's how it was for us. We weren't, for us, it wasn't hype. It was God doing things. We didn't really care about hype. We cared about reality. But the religious leaders, the authorities, they got very jealous because there was so much hype around the Jesus move, around the Jesus following. So, man, they were so jealous, and they threw us in prison. And so I'll be honest, that night, Peter and I and the other apostles were sitting around in prison, and it's kind of, it was a little scary, right? Because I don't know if you know, like, prison is not like, dude, sweet, let's go to prison. Um, so it wasn't, like, amazing, but still, we, we had been there before. So we weren't scared, but a little uneasy. But something happened that scared the mess out of us. We're sitting in prison just chatting, and all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, an angel showed up in the corner of the prison. We acted just like everybody else in Scripture. We freaked out. Out, freaked out. We didn't say that back then, but you guys say it now. We lost it. Once the angel finally calmed us down, and we're like, are you, are you sure you're an angel, bro? <laughs> he finally calmed us down, and he said, hey, look, I'm going to lead you guys out of the prison. Which we're like, one more time? He said, I'm going to lead you out of the prison, walk you right out of the prison. And once we get out, I want you to go back to the temple and keep preaching about this new life you have. So sure enough, 
right out of that prison, the angel just walked us right out, which is kind of like you kept waiting for like, is this a trick? Is, nope, walked us right out of the prison. Now, you may say, it seems a little crazy that you would like, you just got arrested that night and the next day that you would go back and start preaching again, talking about Jesus again. But y'all, when an angel shows up and gets you out of prison, you do what he tells you to do, right? So sure enough, the next day, that's what we did. But the story actually gets a little crazier. I wasn't here for this part. I didn't get to see it is what I should say, but it was crazy. My buddy told me about it. So the next morning, like I just said, we did what the angel told us to do. We went and started preaching back in the temple. Well, the council, the high priest, the leaders, they had no clue all that went down, right? This was like secret agent angel that came and got us out. They had no clue all this went down. So the next morning, the high priest got all his counsel together, this, this big gathering, and they were going to call us out to interrogate us. So they, they got everybody together, and they sent guards to go to the prison and to look for us. And man, I wish I could have, could you imagine those guards' faces when they went in there, and they're like, check under the bed, like, they gone. <laughs> So, man, to have been there, they went back. Again, my buddy, I wasn't there because we were preaching. My buddy told me about it. They went back to the council, the guards, and like, <laughs> they're not there. And I love the way my buddy Luke wrote about this in Acts. He says that the high priest, the council, they were perplexed. I'm like, you reckon? Like, like did, did you check? Like, was... was was there a hole somewhere? Had they been digging? Like, they, I don't know. They're just gone. So they're looking, at, they're looking at each other confused. And about that time, this other random Jewite came running into the castle. And he's like, hey, hey, talking to the high priest. You know the, you know the men that you, you told they had to quit talking about Jesus? And the high priest was like, yes, I know who you're talking about. You know the men that you arrested because they kept talking about Jesus in the temple? He's like, yes, I know who you're talking about. Those men, they're in the temple, and they're preaching again. <laughs> so the high priest sent the guards, and they came back to the temple to get us. But, man, y'all should have. I was there for this because they came to get us, and it was so funny because they were trying to act all big and macho because they were there to arrest us, but they were scared to death because they were like, who are these people? <laughs> so they came, got us. They didn't take us by force because, y'all, by that time, the masses, the group that was getting excited about Jesus and what was happening, the Holy Spirit using us. The people didn't understand all of that, but they were getting excited about what God was doing. They supported us. So the guards, out of fear that the masses, this big group of people would stone them and kill them, they were just like, hey, for real, you better come with us. So <laughs> took us back to the high priest. And, you know, as bold as we were being like in the power of the Holy Spirit, it, it, got, it got pretty serious. Because, again, we, we just kept doing what God told us to do, right? We didn't listen to them. We listened to God. So that created problems. So they brought us into the group. And the high priest began to talk to us. He said, we told you to quit preaching in the name of Jesus, which, by the way, like, they had Jesus killed just, like, a little over a month ago. We told you to quit talking about him, and you're still preaching and teaching in his name. And you insist on bringing the blood of this man on us. Because, again, we were 
that they had killed Jesus, right? Like, I don't know if you've read the story that my buddy Luke wrote about, but they had killed Jesus. So it wasn't about that, but as much as us just proclaiming the truth that, yes, y'all were responsible for killing Jesus, and we're still going to preach and talk about him. But man, my buddy Peter, as just as the high priest was accusing us and saying, what in the world are y'all doing? Why won't y'all listen to us? My buddy Peter, again, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke up and said, we're not going to obey you. We have to obey God. <laughs> and Peter kept on. He said, look, you killed Jesus, but God raised Jesus up to offer salvation. He is our Savior, he is our leader, and he offers forgiveness of sins. And beyond that, Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit, which is a witness, which testifies that this is all real. Which, by the way, it still blows my mind how the high priest, how the council, they, they couldn't ignore what was being done. People were being healed, lives were being changed, but they just refused to believe in Jesus. So Peter was telling them, look, the proof that Jesus is the Messiah is in what's happening. It's being carried out right now. You can see it with your own eyes that he is the leader. He is the Savior. The Holy Spirit is the proof. Peter was really bold, but they didn't like it. Immediately, the high priest stood up enraged. He was ready to kill us. Enough! No more! The whole council rose into a hot fury, and were ready to kill us on the spot. They killed Jesus, and they were going to kill us right then. If I'm honest, like, I kind of thought it was over. It was like, R.I.P. John, I'm going to go be with Jesus, go, free, go get to see J.B. Like, thought it was over. And then something happened that could only be explained by God. So there was this guy named Gamaliel who actually, I don't know if you guys have heard of Saul who became Paul of the heart of him. I heard he wrote some books in the Bible. That's kind of cool. <laughs> but Gamaliel actually at one point taught Paul. Gamaliel was very high up. All the people loved him, respected him because he was kind of, he was almost like a shrewd politician. He just knew what the people liked and he knew how to keep things from getting into too much of an uproar or a mess. He was good at like, um, someone told me this word, politically correct, right? Like, he kept everybody happy. Gamaliel, my point is, Gamaliel didn't really care about Christians. He, did, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He just knew how to keep things from becoming a mess. All that to say, I don't think this was, what happened was because Gamaliel liked this. I think it was because it was a God thing. So What happened? They're enraged. They're fixing to kill us. And Gamaliel got everyone's attention. And he said, hey, all right, take the men out from the council. So Peter and me and the fellas, we, they took us out. And Gamaliel talked to the council. He said, hey, look, we should be careful with what we do. There's a huge group following them. We should be careful with what we do. We should think about what we're about to do here before we just kill these men. And, and even the women that are following this Jesus that we killed. And Gamaliel brought up two stories to the council of something that had recently happened in Israel at that time. In both of the stories, these men had risen up as leaders, and they had really some pretty good, a pretty good group of followers following them and, and wanting to be part of their movement. But Gamaliel told the council how 
in both of those situations, when the leader was killed, it wasn't long after that that the movement just died out, that it just became nothing. So Gamaliel was implying, telling the council, hey, look, the same thing's going to happen with, with this Jesus following. Like, we already killed Jesus. We took care of the leader. He's implying, give it time, and it'll become nothing. But then... Gamaliel said something that I really think was inspired by God, and it was completely ironic. Because he meant it sarcastically, but truer words have not been spoken. Gamaliel looked at the council and he said, if this movement, if this undertaking of of what's going on is of man, if it's just a man-made thing, it'll fail. But if it's of God you won't be able to stop them. (laughs) And then he said, you may even be found to be opposing God. Now again, Gamaliel, he was saying it sarcastically. He didn't believe in Jesus. He He thought we were a joke. But God was sending a message. (laughs) See, we knew, me and Peter and the rest of the gang, we knew that it wasn't of us. It wasn't just some man-made thing that we were just trying to... Would we really do that if we're trying to get ourselves killed? No. We knew that it was a movement of God. It wasn't something we just made up. Gamaliel, ironically, was exactly right. And that is why I'm not surprised at all to see you here today, 2,000 years, on the other side of the world. Because what was true back then is true now. That the Jesus movement The followers of Jesus, the gospel, the kingdom of God is not some man-made religious joke. It is a movement of God that can't be stopped. That's what we experienced. (laughs) I remember Gamaliel actually convinced them. His argument was pleasing because in his argument, he was saying, hey, we can kind of settle this out. Just give it time. It'll play out and we'll have this big mess on our hands. So Gamaliel convinced them and they called us back into the council and they again threatened us. Hey, shut up about Jesus. They threatened us. To, they said, quit preaching, quit teaching, quit talking about Jesus. And that time, they actually, man, it's still kind of, I don't lie, it kind of stings thinking about it, but for the first time, they actually beat us. <laughs> We're not crazy, but When we left, we actually rejoiced. (laughs) Not because, like, yippee, they let us go. We rejoiced. And again, not yippee because we're psychos and like being hit with sticks. No, No, we left rejoicing because Jesus had already told us, hey, if you follow me, they hated me. They're going to hate you. He had told us that, you know what, if people persecute you and talk, speak evil of you, revile you, that you should consider yourself blessed because great is your reward in heaven. Man, we knew what we were getting into, and Jesus was absolutely every bit worth it to us. So yes, it hurt. Oh, gosh, it hurt. But man, we rejoiced because we were being used by God and his kingdom work, and we had a great reward in heaven. And you know what we did? Once we like kind of recouped, recouped, <laughs> recouped from the beating and the threats to quit preaching, you know what we did? We just kept on preaching. <laughs> We went right back to the temple, and we kept 
preaching and teaching and talking about Jesus, we did not cease. We did not stop. Why? Because we wanted to be, we wanted to obey God and not man. But you know what? Just as much as, as that, just as important as that, we knew we were getting to be part of a movement of God that could not be stopped. We weren't scared of death because we knew where we were going. Man, God had invited us into a movement that would eventually take over the world and the proofs in the pudding. Here you are, 2,000 years on the other side of the world. I don't know what pudding is, but you get what I'm saying. Man, God had invited us to be in something, be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. And Jesus had told us that he would empower us and that the gates of hell could not stop what God was doing. And man, we were starting to experience it. That's why we kept preaching. That's why we kept teaching. That's why we kept going from house to house, talking about Jesus, meeting new people and talking about Jesus because we knew it was bigger than us. And why sit out and do nothing when God was inviting us into something bigger and better, a part of his kingdom work? So I don't know about you. I know what happened with us. When we realized our purpose to be witnesses, to talk about Jesus, to to proclaim his goodness, to say, yeah, Jesus is really, really good. When we realized that was our purpose, and we realized that the Holy Spirit had truly come and was living inside of us and empowering us to be able to talk to other people about Jesus and just share his love and his goodness with them. When we realized that and that we were part of a movement that could not be stopped, (laughs) We couldn't help but say, we can't stop and we won't stop. (laughs) That was our story. What's yours? What is our story? What about you? What about me? What about us? You see, we too have the opportunity to be a part of something so much bigger than ourselves. The advancement of the gospel, the advancement of God's kingdom all over the world. Will we be a generation that sits on the sidelines as God is wanting to move or will we join in his kingdom work in sharing Jesus to those around us empowered by the Holy Spirit? Will we be a generation that is so preoccupied with ourselves and our daily lives and everything that this world has to offer? Or will we get intentional about getting out there and meeting with people and sharing Jesus with them, praying with them, meeting with them, being attentive to their needs? Y'all, look around us. Our generation and our world is broken. You are the closest thing to Jesus that most people will ever see. They are broken. Our peers around us are broken. And in their brokenness, they are crying out for a Savior. Will you tell them about him? Look, this is not just a fad. This is not just some man-made, made-up thing. And our leader, sure as heck, is not just some random hippie dude. No, the gospel is a movement of God that cannot be stopped. This is not just hype, but the hope of the world. 
this is not just about religion, but about a relationship with the very real, very living God. But again, what about us? Will we join in with what God is doing or sit by the wayside? Will we allow him to use us and say, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere, no matter what it costs me, no matter where you lead me, I will follow you. Will we say, Jesus, I can't stop and I won't stop because you won't stop. Thanks for listening to The Journey Podcast. You can learn more about The Journey by checking us out on Instagram or Facebook. Just search for at the journey LBK.